The Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights has issued about a dozen settlements involving potential violations of the HIPAA provision granting patients the right to access their health information. I'm Marianne Kolbitsak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Rita Bowen, Vice President of Privacy, Compliance, and Health Information Management Policy at MRO, a health information management firm. Rita is also former President and Chair of Industry Group, the American Health Information Management Association, or AHIMA. Rita will be speaking to us about what healthcare CISOs and privacy officers and their teams need to know about better complying with the HIPAA patient right of access. So, Rita, as I said, HHS OCR has had a string of HIPAA settlements involving the failure of healthcare entities to fulfill patient requests for their health information in a timely manner. Why do you think these sort of cases keep happening? Yes, we have seen a string. We saw two last year, and then the others have all been in the course of this year, and basically in the last four months, we've seen the rush of those. I think it's happening because people are still trying to operate in their old mode, and I'm thinking that the rush of these has happened because of the force for interoperability and HHS's gold on Dr. Severino's push for all patients to have access to the information. The first cases we saw dealt with the fact that the patient was asking for their complete designated record set. And what we're seeing throughout the industry is that often the person that might be fulfilling the request doesn't know what that means. As a vendor, we definitely know what it means, but we have to have that conversation with the covered entity or the provider that we are doing services for and they often go, well, isn't that the same as the legal health record? And it is not. It can be one and the same, but basically your designated record set is anything that is used to make a decision for that patient's care, treatment, or payment of a claim. So it could be voice files, and that's where we, we're moving into a new era now because we have seen so much telehealth explode with COVID with uh, the pandemic that we've been under and had, whereas telehealth had been sort of taboo before and was just in experimental stages, we've seen just a, a growth in that and even actually new legislation that it will continue post the pandemic because of the demand. And, and that's a new question that people are going to have to figure out is how do you make those voice files available if the patient requests that? So, Rita, with that said, what are some of the top lessons that privacy and security officers and their teams should be learning from some of these settlements? And as we progress and information such as voice files and other sorts of newer files are added to patients' records, what sort of challenges are these teams going to be facing? Well, Marianne, I would suggest that for every settlement that's posted, and most privacy and security officers should be on the listserv, so it should be coming directly to them so they, when something has, a settlement has been posted, that they're seeing it. They should take that and read through very carefully to see how it occurred, what was the event that led up to it, and then whatever committee you have internally for your facility, whether that be a compliance committee, you may have a separate privacy committee, or at MRO, we call ours the Data Protection Steering Committee. So we always take those incidents and then take them back and walk backwards 
to assure that if this were to have happened at a site we were working at, or do we have policies in place that would have prevented that? Do we need to modify a policy? Do we need to modify training in lockstep with these settlements that are being provided? And as you said, we've had a dozen, about a dozen settlement this year that has been on, on patient right of access. So every one of those should be analyzed by every covered entity to assure that they have the definitions and policies in place. But first and foremost, they really need to look at their designated record set and assure that all of the frontline employees that might be providing response to a patient has access to that full detail. Or if they don't, they need a handoff process so that, oh, this is an escalation because it is a patient right of access. I can fulfill this much, but I need this person to help me provide the rest of the designated record set. So there should be case studies that have been analyzed in each facility to assure that they have no issues of responding and responding timely to a patient because the patient has the right to get their information in no less than 30 days. So if they've requested it, they're wanting it in full. So one of the very first cases that the patient right of access that was settled last year down in Florida dealt with, a, with an, an individual who wanted her entire record. And what she really had need for was the fetal monitor strips. And the fetal monitor strips often are contained outside of the legal health record because they're so bulky and they're so contained in, in a source system. So you have to know which source system to go to obtain that information that may not be actually embedded in the health record or the medical record for that patient. So Rita, when it comes to the format in which patients request their records, whether it be digital or in paper, how does that impact the security and privacy concerns involving fulfilling those requests? Well, patients have the right to ask for the information in the form and format that they would like to receive it in. And they do have the right to say, I want to receive my information via email unencrypted. A facility does have the obligation to provide the patient with a notification that this might present some risk, but they don't have to go into all of the risk that can be associated with, but they are obligated to let the patient know that receiving information unencrypted could be intercepted and it could be received by someone else. But typically from a release standpoint at a facility, they're gonna, we're going to work with the patient to provide it in the form and format. And whether it's paper, whether it's a CD, whether it's downloaded into a thumb drive, or if it goes to a portal. And what we're seeing more and more is that for patients, most facilities have a patient portal where they can go and obtain their records themselves. And more and more facilities are asking us to help direct patients to that patient portal so they can control their own access and can obtain exactly what they want. And everything everything may not be there, but there's usually a disclaimer that will let the patient know this contains everything except blah, and it would let them know if they wanted that information that they would need to see a representative to obtain that because it might not be something that could actually flow to that patient portal. But that goes along with what we've tried to push for patient access, and it's more in line with the 21st Century Cures Act for interoperability, providing patients the ability to obtain their information real-time or as whatever the facility defines as real-time, the notes, all information, so that they can control 
uh, that information and have better access to it to improve their own health and, um, and control their health and actually manage if they want to go to a different specialist or whatever. So it's really in that vein that we're seeing the movement to put greater control in the hands of the patient. There had been some examples at HHS where some of the representatives there had tried to obtain the medical records for maybe a, a person in their family and that they saw some of the difficulties that, that they had gone through. Facilities were saying, well, you must fill this form out before you can get this information. A patient doesn't have to fill out any special form. If it's a patient request, all they need to say is, I'm the patient and I want the information, or if I want to direct it to someone, I can say, I'm the patient, I, Rita Bowen, want to direct my information to XYZ, and here's XYZ's address, and I sign off on that, and that's all that's needed for a patient-directed request. So, Rita, you mentioned the 21st Century Cures Act and, indeed, the 21st Century Cures Act interoperability and information blocking regulations aim to better bolster the ability of patients to access their own health records electronically, including through their smartphones, using standards-based application programming interfaces. What are some of the biggest challenges that you think healthcare organizations and health IT vendors will have in ensuring that patients can securely access their health information using smartphones and other mobile devices? They did release the FAR technology, which is basically the, the way that they can connect. But most of your large electronic health record vendors uh, have already established what was the core data elements or the United States core data elements for interoperability, identified them and would help assist with that flow. So some of that has been streamlined for individuals working with various systems. The thing that probably I'm seeing organizations kind of struggle with is how do you define clinical notes? You know, clinical notes, is that just physician notes? Is that nurses notes? Is that physical therapy notes? What is clinical notes? And that, again, is loosely defined to allow the flexibility for every physician office and or covered entity to define what they want to fall into that category. Most patients are interested in physician notes the clinical notes. Some of your nurses' notes now are notes by ex exception. They're not very informative. I mean, they, they provide sort of a picture, but it's not informative to a patient. Now, physical therapy notes, maybe, because, you know, if they're having a back injury and they're showing the progress they're making. So you've got to define what the clinical notes are that will go to the patient portal. And I believe now there's nothing that's written that says you have to do this, it's not in the regulation. It's not in the 21st Century Cures Act. But I feel it's a, the, a, an organization's responsibility to have conversations with their patients to let them know this is the information that's available to you via the portal. And I think we will see as we evolve closer into this journey that we're going through, you know, facilities are going to say, well, we have a high population of congestive heart failure or we have a high population of diabetics, whatever they're population is that they're serving that they have the most patients are that may be causing their their chronic patients that are causing readmissions they may want to work with an app developer that says hey we need something that helps a congestive heart failure patient manage their health better to help alleviate the fact that maybe they wouldn't have to return to the hospital or return they can manage their health in a better way 
uh, and they look to see if they can provide tools that would assist them in that vein from that perspective. That's just my thought. I know I have a chronic condition and I, my physician's already been talking to me about it. So I think it's something that it's going to cause some conversation and sometimes that's a little difficult for patients because they just say, give me a pill, make me well. Well, I think part of getting well is managing your own health in your own home, in your own environment because so many diseases are now impacted by diet, exercise, and other things that control that, that medication doesn't remedy. And Rita, when it comes to potential breaches involving fulfilling patients' requests for their records and, you know, complying to the right of access, are there potential breaches that covered entities need to be concerned about to avoid in the process of fulfilling these requests? Not really. And I say that yeah, I know that sounds really odd coming from a privacy person, but it's no different than we've ever processed. When you process the release information, if you put it on paper or a jump drive or a CD, it's the same process. So providing the patient the access to their information, once it gets in the patient's hands, they control it. The facility is no longer responsible for that. So if the patient says, I don't want it encrypted, I, don't want, I want it on a CD, but don't encrypt it. All the facility is obligated to do is provide them with just a short summary of, well, we will fulfill, we will do that, but we want you to know these risks. You're not obligated beyond that, but you are obligated to provide the patient with just a summation of risk that, that could be involved if the information is not encrypted. Thanks, Rita. I've been speaking to Rita Bowen. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.